0: Welcome to the Grace Vineyard podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome. Hope you're all are doing well. Um, my name is Ron. If I haven't met you, and I'm happy you're here. We are going to going to open up um, the Bible and read a really famous story together that works really well with what we've been talking about. We've been talking for weeks about amazing grace. We've most recently been reading in the um, book of Galatians in the Bible, and we've been talking of, using this kind of language. Grace is Jesus plus nothing or in other words people are made right with God not by what they do But only by putting faith in Jesus plus nothing and anytime we add to that and we make it Jesus plus Something, you know believe in Jesus and make sure you go to the right church Believe in Jesus and make sure you tithe believe in Jesus and Plus anything it really completely destroys the message of grace there's two kinds of religion in the world, you know, if you, divide, if you really boil it down to the basics, there's the religion of human effort, and there's the religion of grace, a free gift. We're, we're made right with God by what he did. We're, we're given the gift of righteousness. We enter into salvation, and we continue to live the rest of our lives. Our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God founded on nothing that we do. In fact, I think we sing some songs like that today. It's all about the love of the Father. So Father's Day is a good time to do that particular story that we're going to read that some of you already know about. So um, Jesus was a master communicator, and he often got right to the heart of the matter with people by telling some kind of story. And he usually would kind of trick them. He'd tell some story that would draw them in. And I'm told that in the Hebrew culture, there's a lot of story go, storytelling going on anyway. So this is kind of how this would happen a lot. And there's a crowd of people, and Jesus would tell a story. And then they'd be into the story. And before they realized it, they discovered that the story was about them. You ever notice that? And then like, oh, and then, you're, you're, you know, there's, you're, you can't do anything. <laughs> you're defenseless. It was much better than kind of debate or I'm going to teach you something. He would just tell a story. And there's a place that we're going to read in the Gospel of Luke, it's recorded, where Jesus tells three stories back to back. And really, they tell the message of Galatians. They tell the message of grace, of God's incredible love in a way that more captures the heart. So um, we're going to read those together, and I'll just dive in. You know, I like to always pray before I teach and preach and attempt to explore the Word of God with a group of people. So, Lord, we want to come to you right now with faith. We come with humility. We believe this is the Word of God, that you've preserved it for us, to train us, to equip us, to transform us. And as we read these words today, recordings of the very words of Jesus himself. We pray that you'll make them come alive to us, and you'll speak to us, and you'll change us. Let the spirit of the living God be here and breathe upon us right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is... If you're following along in the Bible, this is in Luke chapter 15, and I think probably all of it's going to show up on those screens, so it's kind of easy to follow along too. But um, it starts like this, Luke 15, uh, verse 1, and there's, a, there's an audience that Luke's going to describe to us, and there's two kinds of groups in the audience. Now, the tax collectors and sinners, in quotes in the NIV version, were all gathered around to hear him, to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers, so that's the other part of the crowd. So you could picture this crowd. There's a rough-looking crowd that would probably not be the kind of church-going typical people. There are addicts, and there are um, sex trade workers. There are people that are really outcasts because they're, they're traitors to their own people. They're working for the Roman government, an occupying Army? Can you imagine if there were some kind of a war, kind of thing, and some other nation came into America and was ruling, and they were foreign, we didn't even speak their language, and now I, in order to make a bunch of money for myself, work for them to take money from you. That's the those those kind of people. So they're hated, the tax collectors. There's that crowd. And then there's this other crowd that think of themselves as the good ones, the righteous ones. They dress right. They follow all the rules. They are the human effort religion crowd. They're the opposite of the message of grace. And they what, they mutter. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Think you like that word, mutter? <laughs> mutter, 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 mutter. They're just complaining, grumbling. And they said... This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, do you already see the irony that's going on here? They have separated themselves from the other people in the same crowd, thinking they're sinners and we're not. But in fact, in this crowd, those people that look like sinners are the ones that have been putting their faith in Jesus. And they're the ones that have been set right with God. And these Pharisees and teachers of the law are the ones that are the sinners. They're self-righteous, they're full of pride, they're judgmental, and they think they're all right. So it's really, it's really ironic, and we're going to kind of get that in the story that Jesus is going to tell. So this man welcomes sinners, and Jesus is going to tell um, three stories. I'm going to tell you the first two, just my own words We won't read them, and then we'll um, read the third one. So the first story is he says, so, you know, suppose there's a guy with, he's a shepherd, he's got a hundred sheep, and one of them goes astray. One of them goes missing. Won't that shepherd leave the 99 out in the open field? And then he'll go looking for that lost sheep. And when he finds it, he'll bring it back, and he'll go tell his neighbors, I found my lost sheep, because they all knew that he was really upset that he lost a sheep. And then he's going to throw a party, and it's all going to be great. And then Jesus said, I tell you. There is rejoicing in heaven. There's a party thrown in heaven over one sinner who repents. Then he says another story. So suppose there's a woman, and she has ten silver coins, and they're very, very valuable to her, and she loses one silver coin. Won't she sweep her house into the corners, get out the lamp, look everywhere until she finds her lost silver coin. she leaves leave the nine and find the one. And when she finds it, she'll bring her friends together. She'll rejoice. say, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin that you know I've been looking for. There'll be a party. And, um, and he says the same thing again. I tell you, there's more joy in heaven that God throws a party with the angels when one of these sinful people repents and turns. Then he tells this um, the story that we're going to get to. You, do you know it as the prodigal son story? Is that how you hear it? The, you, have you all heard of the prodigal son story? You have. Everyone has. So um, I'm thinking of it as the, the the story about the father's embrace. I think that's the center point. But if you'll if you permit me, how are you going to stop me? Right? You have to rush the stage. I'm going to have a. <laughs> I guess that could happen in this boat. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to be a little silly with you for a second, because this may be enjoyable for you. It was enjoyable for me when I read this. Um, I'm going I'm to read you a version of the prodigal son story that's called The Prodigal Son in F Major. Has anyone ever heard that one? Oh, Okay. Yes, yeah, it's in the key of F major. You'll like that because you're a guitar player. So I, I remembered this story a couple weeks ago when I was at a, um, a graduation party, and I was at a table with all of the grandparents, step-grandparents, additional grandparents. Everyone was in their 70s for, for the guy that was graduating, and... I don't know if you ever hung around with us old people, but sometimes we tell you stories about going to the doctor. And they were, they were talking about us, it's like to go to the doctor, and one lady said, every time I go to the doctor now, he gives me like a cognitive test. And it's like, okay, count backwards from 100 by threes, and you're like, 109. Does anyone have... Well, don't raise your hand. But anyway, uh, draw a picture of a clock in reverse. And then the one that sh- cracked her up, which reminded me of this story, was um, the doctor said tell me all the words you can think of that begin with the letter F. And of course, your brain freezes, and then you realize, actually, I'm thinking of some letters, some words that begin with the letter F, and I can't tell you. And she was laughing, going, why the letter F for that test? And we all giggled. Did you giggle? It was kind of funny. Um, And then I remembered the uh, prodigal son story in the key of F major, which I'm going to try to read to you. So this might be fun. You ready? You ready? Okay, thank you. Feeling footloose and frisky, a feather-brained fellow forced his fond father to fork over the farthings and flew to foreign fields and frittered his fortune, feasting fabulously with faithless friends. Fleeced by his fellows, fallen by fornication and facing famine, he found himself a feed-flinger in a filthy farmyard. Fairly famishing, he fain would have filled his frame with foraged food from fodder fragments. Phooey! My father's flunkies, fair finer. The frazzled fugitive forlornly fumbled, think frankly facing facts. Frustrated by failure and filled with foreboding, he fled forthwith to his family, falling at his father's feet. He forlornly fumbled, father, I flunked and fruitlessly forfeited family favor. The far-sighted father, forestalling, further flinching, frantically flagged the flunkies to fetch a fatling from the flock and fix a feast. The fugitive's fault-finding brother frowned on fickle forgiveness of former all, but the faithful father figured. Filial fidelity is fine, but the fugitive is found. What forbids fervent festivity? Let's flags be unfurled, let fanfares flare. And the father's forgiveness form the foundation for the former fugitive's future faith and fortitude. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And I told, so I sent an email to that lady that was telling the story and said, if you would learn this next time your doctor gives you the F test, (laughs) you will pass with flying colors. Okay, now to the real version of this story. Chapter 15, verse 1. No, not verse 1, verse 11. Jesus continued, third story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, you and I are far removed from the culture of the people that are listening to this story, so we're missing out on some of the drama that's taking place already. But what you need to know to get a better feel for this is that in this culture, Uh, a son growing up in the father's household is not going to go off to college and choose a career and go find his way in the world. He's going to continue in his father's business. He's part of the family and it continues. And when that son finds a wife and gets married, what they're going to do is they're going to build a new room on the father's house and his new family is going to come and live with the father. And they're going to perpetuate the family. So, when this son goes to the father and says, Father, give me my share of the estate, the crowd, if they're listening to the story, probably would have had an audible, because <gasps> this is, this is a, a shame and honor society. You know, in, in our society, we more are like a right and wrong society. We value being doing the right thing, and we are against doing the wrong thing. In this society, it's more about valuing honor. You see that in some other cultures. You'll hear in the news about honor killings, that kind of a feel. Honor is a very high value, and this son is being very dishonoring. He's bringing shame to the family. So they all catch this as this crowd of tax collectors and Pharisees and prostitutes and um, you know the, the addicts and the, every, every, everyone in between, this whole crowd, they're all in the story already. And they're like, they can't believe this is not going to go well. This son is so unfaithful. So that was shocking. And, but the next sentence said, so he divided his property between them. That would have been even more of a shock. If a, a, a wise father in this culture wouldn't do that. That's not what you do. He maybe would have punished the son or kicked him out of the family. But he divided the property, and the, this is written in Greek, and the Greek language says it this way, he divided to them the life, which you can feel the depth of meaning there already. So he's dishonored his father, and we'll, we'll see there's another brother in the story who's not this way. He is going to stay home, and he's going to keep working, and apparently be a good son. Well, then the next part of the story Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And there's a lot packed into that word wild living. You can imagine a young man, you know, a fool and his gold are soon partying. Or a fool and his gold are soon partying. Which is what happened after he had spent everything, and you know how that goes, if you've ever had money and been living kind of a wild lifestyle. You know, it seems like you have friends as long as you keep the party going. But when your money runs out, so do your friends. And that's what happens. So after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself to a citizen of that country and went to his field to feed pigs. Now, remember, Jesus is talking to an exclusively Jewish crowd here. They don't touch pigs. So this is this is a low spot. This is as low as this guy can get. He's dishonored his father. He's now working for a pig farmer. And he's so hungry that the next sentence Jesus says, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And you can you could probably see the Pharisees going, yeah, that's good teaching Jesus. I saw this coming the moment he asked for the money. And he's probably talking about those tax collectors. <laughs> you know, they're judgmental. They see, yeah, not going well. He gets what he deserves. He's, he's lost his, fa- his family, his inheritance. He's lost his family's name. He's lost all honor. He's hungry, he's starving, and he's feeding pigs. But, Jesus continues, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. He Went to go home. Do you, do you feel the drama at all? Can you get yourself in the story? This is, Jesus is giving them the feel, the taste, the experience of what repentance is like. And you know, this is a message. Jesus came with this message. The kingdom of God is now present. It's now at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And this is the sto- this is what repentance looks like. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now We also would miss, if we're not in this culture, that that an elder, a man of this stature, would not run. So he is just leaving all of the cultural traditions here. This man who's clearly representing God. This other man, the young man, who's clearly representing people, the, the sinners in the crowd. The father runs to him and throws his arms around him and embraces him and Smothers him with kisses. So the son does this, you know, he begins his speech. I'm not worthy. Could I please be a slave in your household, work with the servants, and then maybe I could earn enough money to eat because I'm going to die of starvation. And before the son can even finish his planned speech, the father interrupts him. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Parties happening. And this, this to me is the pinnacle of the story. The father, arm around the son, calling for people to bring clothes for him and a ring for him and sandals and get the party going. That's why I called this message the grace of the father's embrace. The grace of the father's embrace. Would you just think for a moment, how many people have no idea that this is what God is really like? You know, the Bible refers to our attempts at righteousness, salvation by human effort, salvation by religion, salvation by trying to not sin and trying to do good things. And, you know, maybe there's good things to do. Go work at a homeless shelter, you know. There's good things to do. Go on a mission trip. There's good things to do. Help those who are hurting. There's good things to do. Do hospice care. There's good things to do. Go, you know... Um, work with the AIDS patients, go work with the... Those are all good, but they don't earn salvation. They don't get you right with God. And we live in a world, as we've been saying, where everything in our mindset says you got to earn what you get. And if you have bad things happening, you probably deserve it. And Jesus is presenting this whole other thing, this whole other view that says, no, You get what you don't deserve. You get the Father's embrace. The Bible teaches that our works of righteousness are as filthy rags. But God puts on us his robe of righteousness. And that's the picture here. He throws a huge party for us. The ring is a picture of the authority of a son. You wear the ring because it's the family ring. And Jesus is letting all these folks know you especially the Pharisees. Don't don't you see these that you're calling sinners and tax collectors they're like the son that the father's embracing. Well, the story could end there cuz it's a great story of grace, but Jesus has caught them now. They're all sitting on the they're in the story. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law don't know that they get a part in the story too. That's the next part of the story. Meanwhile, back on the farm, the older son was still working in the field. Remember, there were two sons. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? You can feel the scowl in his face. There's a party, and I don't know anything about it. And the servant says, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out to him and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look. All these years, I've been slaving for you. Did you catch that the younger son wanted to offer to be a slave? But that's not what he got. Well, this older son is living in that mentality. I'm just a slave. I've been slaving for you, and I never disobeyed your orders. I've been working hard for you, Dad. Dad. And yet, you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, doesn't even call him his brother, this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed a fatted calf for him. He's judging not only his brother, he's actually judging his father for grace. I don't know if the Pharisees and the teachers of the law have caught it yet, but he's talking about them. They're judging God and judging their brothers. When before God there is no, I'm a a saint and you're a sinner. We're all on level ground. We're all on level ground. The, The Bible is very clear in explaining to us that all people have fallen short of God's glory. We've all sinned. Our sin is separated from it, us from him. The, the so-called righteous are self-righteous. The irreligious, the religious. The moralist, the immoral. The hedonist, all, all people. We have no place to judge anyone. We all stand on level ground. We all need the mercy of God. And there's just a danger of becoming like the older brother. There's a danger of becoming like the older brother. Can you imagine if, can you imagine if the younger brother on his way home would run into the older brother first and not the father? Oh, I see your back. You look pretty bad. Yeah, I lost everything. Yeah, I figured you would. I could, I could have told you. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask Dad if I could just be like one of the slaves, one of the servants in the house, so I could work for him and maybe I could eat then. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. It's a good place for you. You could probably find a little spot out in the barn to sleep. And I don't know if dad will take you back, but can you picture that? You get what you deserve. You know, if you were in our day, well, glad you're back. Have you been reading your Bible? Have you been going to Bible study? I haven't seen you in church in a long time. If you do that, maybe you'd get okay with God. I can see why you're having trouble. Have you been tithing? No wonder you're having financial problems. Do you hear that? Well, I know what kind of church you've been going to. They don't teach the true word over there. Come to our church, you'd probably be okay with God again, and your life would be blessed. Isn't that what Galatians is about? This is the Galatian story. But the, but the older brother actually saw himself as a slave. Mad at God, mad at the father, mad at his brother. I, I found an, uh, one of the earlier, you know, they, they're always uh, the Bible translator team's like if you read the NIV, there, there was one that they first did in 1982, the New International Version, and then there's one, I think, in 2004, and they, they kind of upgrade, and they're, they're always working on making the language the best they can. I found in my notes an older version of the New Living Translation that puts a really interesting verse from Romans chapter 8 like this, and it won't be on the screen, so you just have to listen. In Romans chapter 8, Paul is talking about grace and saying, you are not slaves, but you are sons of God. And he says this, you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us we are God's children. And since we are his children, we'll share his treasures, which is what we just read the Father said. My son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. This is back to Luke 15. You are always with me, my son. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, do you see the switch of language? The the older brother said, this son of yours. And now the father says, this brother of yours. He says to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law in the crowd listening, these brothers of yours that you're calling sinners, these brothers of yours. But this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. Now, what should have happened in this story was that when the younger son began to get on the road and the father is on the porch watching daily, when is my son coming home? loving, longing, the older brother should have been right there with him looking. And when the father ran to his son, the older brother should have run to his brother with him. He should have been embracing his brother and saying, you're back. I've missed you. I'm so glad you're here. I love you. Welcome back to the family. That's what should have happened. There's a a principle that um, I read from a, from a Bible teacher. Interesting name. His name is Jack Frost. <laughs> it really is. And Actually, he writes about some, being a, a son of the father, along with another guy whose name is Jack Winter. Go figure, Jack Winter and Jack Frost. <laughs> but anyway, he brings out this principle. You can only bring people to the Father if you're already a son. People who see themselves as slaves of God will only bring other people to God as master. People who already know they are in God's mercy. Sons. Not by anything they've done. Not because they've been slaving in the field. But sons that have received the Father's love, the Father's embrace, the grace of the Father's embrace, the full treasures of his household, they know that's how they live, are well able to bring other people to the Father. We are sons, we're not slaves. If we have faith in Jesus, we're made right with God, and we're sons and daughters in good standing. We're not second class nothing to earn. We are fully embraced with his ring, with his robe, with his sandals, with the, the party. <laughs> um, many people have never, on an earthly plane, known the unconditional love and acceptance of a father. That sometimes comes true, especially on Father's Day. You know, many, many boys tried to hit that home run so that their dad would say, ah, good son. They're looking for a pleasing response from their father. If you're not that person, you probably know someone. Always trying to earn the honor, the respect of a father and never being able to get there. And when that happens in life, people almost, without exception, project that image onto the Father in heaven. They, understand, they think God's like my dad. He is the Father, right? So I have to earn approval. And I was never good enough. I could never get him to notice. And what can then happen at some point is people say, well, just forget it then. I'm going to live my life on my own. I don't need anyone. I don't need my dad's approval. I can do what I want, the way I want, when I want. I'm going to be my own man. I'm going to make my own destiny. I don't need anyone. And when that happens, there's a brokenness inside and an inability to receive what we all need. We all need the Father's embrace. Kind of a fierce independence. And when people like that begin to believe in God, you've probably met some of them. They, they can be really good church people. They can do all the right things. They can work hard and they can serve well. But there's, an, there's a way that they're doing it in order to get the approval of God. And if you are looking for the approval of God by what you do, you'll never get there and you'll never be satisfied. But if you can understand that you already have God's approval, it changes everything. To know that God absolutely loves you and it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Him because He's so loving. It's just He loves you because He loves you because He loves you because He loves you because He loves you. you. But not because you were so bad that you reject caused his love to be rejected or you were so good that he caused his love to increase. You can't make him love. You do not have enough power to sin so bad that you would impact God's love for you. You do not have the power to be so good that you would impact God's love for you. you it's just irrelevant what you do. God loves you. He wants you and me to turn to him in faith. He made righteous because he gives us his righteousness and live as sons and daughters in the household. All of his wealth available to us. That's what he said in this story. Jesus is telling a story for people to understand this is what God is like. And, well, let me ask you this. You've you've heard this story probably many times, right? you're looking at it again. When you experience this story in your imagination, who are you in the story? Because you're in the story. I'm in the story. We're all in the story. That's why this is the brilliance of Jesus. And if you have not entered into this story, get there right now. Think about this. You're the son who went away and is deserving of nothing. But you've had enough sense to come back to God, not expecting anything, because you don't deserve anything. And now you're that son, and God himself has his arms wrapped around you. Can you be that person right now? God himself has his arms wrapped around me. He's kissing me. He's saturating me with his love. He's crying and he's laughing. He's telling the angels in heaven, quick, get a party going, Ron's back. Can I be in that story and go, oh my gosh, I had no idea. The love of the Father. Luxuriate, revel in the love of the Father. This is super important for those of us who name the name of Christ. To experience this as a foundation for all of our life. Because if I can be that guy, which I am. That's the stories about me. If I can be that guy, then I can turn around and get around people who, to me, don't look so clean. Don't look so acceptable to God. And I can look with them with compassion and love and no judgment. And go, oh, I know their story because it's my story. We're all the same. And embrace people with the love of God so much that I could tell this story as my story. I was the guy who wanted to do things my own way. I wanted the goodies that God had for me but I didn't want any of his interference in my life. I didn't want him telling me what to do. I didn't want him telling me what was wrong and what was right. I wanted to live my own way. Is that anyone's story in here? I wanted to do my own thing. And he let me. He said, yes, go ahead. And then I soon was lost started out as a party, and it turned into a famine, and I was living among pigs. Is that anyone 's story <laughs> but i just I came to my senses I had a moment of clarity. I discovered I needed a higher power, some of us would say in our in our circles and I turned and he came running to me, and he Embrace me, and oh, it felt so good to have the Father's love. You have no idea how amazing it felt to have the embrace of grace. It's overwhelming love. I'll never forget it. In fact, I live in that embrace every day because the Bible verse that we've been reading is, the righteous or the just will live by faith. I didn't deserve it, and he gave it to me, so I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to live like I'm a slave, going to try to earn his love. I already have his love. But because I have his love, it makes it really easy for me to serve him and to serve others. That's the message of grace. It's a really great Father's Day message. You and I need to experience the Father's loving embrace. Everyone needs to experience the Father's loving embrace. If you've been worn out on the treadmill of effort trying to be good enough, trying to work just a little bit harder so God will be pleased with you. I mean, I have these conversations with people. How are you doing? How's your relationship with God? The first answer I hear is, well, I need to get back to church. And I'm like, I didn't ask you that. I was like, how's your relationship with God? Not, you need to get back to church. Well, I know I should be doing more. Do you ever say that? I know I should be doing more. There's a sense of, well, you're acting like a slave in the house. You're one of the servants in the household. You've got to work harder. See, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic because it is true. Jesus described us as servants, but he definitely described us as sons and daughters. And he revealed, like no one in the world's history had ever revealed, for the first time he revealed, God is a loving Father that I call Abba. I call Daddy. I call Papa. He loves me. He embraces me. And he's telling these Pharisees who are are muttering, look, he's hanging out with sinners. This is what God is like. God hangs out with sinners. God embraces us, and then he cleans us up, and he takes our sin away. He takes away our rags and puts on us his robe that we don't earn, that we didn't make, that we couldn't make if we tried, so we shouldn't try. We should just receive it and go, this is a good-looking robe I'm wearing. I look mighty fine. This was my dad's gift. It's righteousness. My sins are gone. I'm free of sins, presence, penalty, power in my life, Like I said last week, when I see sin, I go, you're dead to me. (laughs) Remember? And when I see the law of trying to work hard to be right with God, I go, you're dead to me, law. I'm dead to sin, I'm dead to the law. That's what we read in Galatians. I guess um, the message in a, a sentence for today on Father's Day, celebrating the Father from whom all fathers get their name, is that you and I are invited into the Father's embrace. We are invited to live in the grace of the Father's embrace. That's where life starts from. You know, we're supposed to love people, right? The Bible says, we love because he first loved us. If I'm going to love you, it has to, if it's going to be any kind of love at all, be an overflow of God's love for me. Nothing that I produce with my energy. Only me sharing with you the love that I've already received from God the Father. Which comes from me humbling myself and realizing I can't earn it. I just am experiencing His love. He just loves me. Father God. Would you please let us taste, feel, smell, hear, see the reality of your embrace right now? Every person hearing my voice, it's Father's Day right now. You may have pain when you think about Father's Day. Your father may have been abusive to you. Your father might have been a really great father, but still there was a lack. Some would say that everyone to some degree or another has a father wound. The kingdom of God is such that father wounds are healed by the perfect father who makes no mistakes, who does show up to the ball game, who is interested in us, who if we have run away from him and we turn back, he runs toward us and doesn't do this with his finger, but does this with his arms. The look of love, the look of it is finished, Jesus has paid the price. There's nothing left for you to do. Nothing left for you to earn. Live in my embrace, receive my love, and now don't be judgmental of other people don't think you're better than just receive my love and give it away freely when you see someone who's turning back to me fall on them with arms wide open and embrace them don't tell them what they need to do just welcome them home and love them can you imagine a group of thousands of christians millions of christians around the world living like that can you no judgmentalism Just mercy. Just grace. The message for us is to receive the Father's embrace and then go embrace others. Kind of sounds like Jesus, love God and love your neighbor. Kent and worship band people, are are you able to play music? I know we had some broken electronics All right. Thank you for enduring, worship band. Why don't you all stand up? Just kind of move the blood around your body a little bit. And there's an opportunity for you to respond right now to the story we just read, the Father's Day story, the grace of the Father's embrace story. Here's how you can respond. If you are at a place right now where you are distant from God, let there be thunder. If you are at a place where you feel like you're distant from God, would you turn to him now? That's all it takes. You turn your face to him and he'll say, I'll take that. That's good enough. That's enough. I got it the rest of the way. You looked toward me. That's about how it goes. Would you turn to him and say, Father, I'm coming home. Embrace me. Let me know your love and your forgiveness that's so thorough it's like you don't even have to mention it. You just receive me. You forgive me. You make me righteous. You put on a robe. You give me authority. You welcome me into the family. Father, receive me. I'm coming home. Another possible response that we've been talking about is if you are someone who doesn't live in the Father's embrace, you are really in tune with your shortcomings. And you keep thinking, if I just tried a little harder, I'd be all right. I want to invite you to receive the Father's embrace, too. You've trusted in Jesus, but somehow you were like this older brother who said, I've been a slave in your house. I've been working in the fields. I show up early. I stay late. I work and work and work for you, God, and it's like it's never enough. Maybe you don't have that attitude, but you, you know what I'm talking about. I pray a prayer over you right now. Let the Father's love envelop you. I bless you with the Father's love. I bless you with the Father's acceptance. I bless you with the Father's embrace. He is for you. He's not against you. He's a good, good father. He loves you, and he's already pleased with you. Receive his love. Receive his love. Lord, would you let them know about the party you're throwing for them? Let them hear the sound of the music in the heavens as you are rejoicing and loving your children. Happy Father's Day. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.